0: When I was 8 years old, I had a little brother with severe autism. He is 2 years younger than me, and one day my mom called me upstairs and told me to bring my little brother downstairs because Sesame Street was going to be on. He does not talk, but can walk, only very slowly. We got to the top of the stairs and started walking down. I got frustrated that he was walking so slow and poked him so he would hurry up. Then a step later, he stepped on my toes. Furious, I poked him again, telling him no. I scared him, however, and he moved his arm suddenly and accidentally hit me with his elbow. I shoved him in response. Unfortunately, he had, or has, very bad balance, so he went tumbling down the stairs crashing headfirst into the wall. He didn't move. Terrified, I screamed for my mom and made up a story really fast as to how he tripped and I couldn't catch him in time. An ambulance was called and he was rushed to the hospital. He had internal bleeding and almost died. He had permanent brain damage on top of his autism. His memory is even worse than before and he will now probably never learn to talk. The worst part is, to this day, my parents thank me for being such a good big sister. Even when I bring that up, they praise me and tell me that I acted quickly, and it was obviously not my fault. But it is my fault, and I will forever feel guilty. High school, I sold drugs. Not the bad part, and I was kind of infamous around school for being able to get anything. Any drugs you can think of, guns, whatever. These rumors were everywhere, and I stoked them to help business. I mostly sold weed and ecstasy to rich kids with time on their hands. There was one of the richest kids in school who bought weed and X all the time from me. I didn't like him so I overcharged him most of the time. He didn't care. Then one day, he asked for heroin. I tried to gently push him away from that because dealing in heroin is bad news. But for whatever reason, he was insistent. And he wanted a bunch of heroin. He gave me a hundred bucks. So I got down the street to a neighbor's house. I know he sells heroin. Real nice guy, but that's not the point. Long story short, I buy about $50 worth of heroin and sell it to the kid the next day. And we're still not at the bad part. The next day, the school is in mourning. The kid had OD'd. The popular, athletic, rich, pretty boy took all the heroin at once. The police launched an investigation. Nobody pointed a finger at me because no one knew that I'd sold them the heroin. Out of all the school's dozen or so drug dealers. Plus, I'm pretty sure they were afraid of me. The bad part is I didn't feel any remorse. I felt he made his choice and it was a means to an end. I didn't lose any sleep over it. I don't think the police ever arrested anybody. And I never gave a shit about the popular douchebag who darwin himself. That money went into my college fund. And today, I'm a mechanical engineer. When I was very little, probably around three or four, I used to play a game with my parents where I'd go to the bathroom and brush my teeth before bed. And when I got to my room, they'd pretend to be asleep and I'd find creative ways to wake them up. Being so young, I thought my dad was superhero style indestructible. And in thinking so, I decided to try something that would hurt a kid like me but wouldn't harm him all the since he was so big. I found a pencil laying on the desk and tried to stab him in the eye with it. Luckily, he was peeking and stopped me just before I did it. To this day, it gives me a sinking feeling in my stomach, thinking about what might have happened. So, just for some context here, I was eight, and a bully, or however you want to call it. Me and my mates used to pick on a boy in our class, because he was short and a ginger. One day, we went to a school trip to a swimming pool. I was having fun with some friends when this boy, let's call him Tom, appeared. I approached him and started to mess around. I decided it I decided it could be a fun idea if I drowned him. Like pull him under the water, then take him out of the water several times. When I stopped with my joke, he had really drowned. Teachers tried CPR, and it didn't work. It's been almost eight years now, and I'm living in a foster home. I deeply regret everything. Feels like I haven't slept in years. Whenever I try to close my eyes, I see his face. I kill the kid because I wanted to have fun and be cool. The worst is that I knew it was wrong. I knew I was being mean and an idiot to an innocent boy, but I didn't care. I gave him hell until his death. I wish I had drowned and not him. I am in therapy, but I feel like I deserve nothing. Because even I feel bad. Tom is dead, and that is even worse. I tried talking to his family, but they hate me, of course. I can't explain this to anyone, because everyone in my town knows who I am and what I did, so I have nobody to talk with. I like to tell myself that I'm not that bully guy anymore, but I don't know shit. I planned an elaborate two-year-plus suicide plan that let everyone down gently in the best way possible. I moved to another state, basically told everyone to F off, and just held down the fort until people quit calling. After that, I'd give it about six months, do the deed, and then take my life. The objective would be a good riddance more than a he-will-be-missed response. The problem my mother. She drove to me monthly and called me daily. She always knew something was up because she'd always end our combos with, remember, I need you around and we'll always love you. And it shook me to my core. Later on, my best friend tried to spam call me all the damn time. Annoyed, I finally answered. It went to the tune of, finally, you asshole, let's catch up. And he would do that weekly. Then, oh boy, my mom bought me a cat. She put me in therapy and with a psychiatrist. He suggested we get an emotional support animal. And that cat saved my life more than once. One night, I couldn't take it. I started writing the final letters to everyone. I apologized to every person that got written to about the treatment. It was the way that it had to be. Then, my mom's letter. I cried so damn hard. When I started writing about take good care of the cat, I bawled uncontrollably. I exhausted myself and passed out on my desk. I woke up to cat taps and chirping because it was time for his treats and food. He still lives with me and I love him more than anything. I'm a grown-ass man that would drop anything to pet a cat. To me, they're little angels. Nobody knows of this except my wife, mother, and therapist, and it is my darkest memory slash secret. I grew up in Maryland, and when I was sixteen, me and my friends were driving home from a party. All of us were intoxicated, so we were on the back roads trying to lay low, when suddenly we came across an overturned jeep and immediately pulled over. Completely freaking out, the driver was crushed, but the passenger was still alive. He couldn't talk or anything and was struggling to breathe. My one friend pulled him from the vehicle and then he just stopped breathing. He died right in front of us. At that point, we were all freaking the fuck out and debating whether to call the cops or even do anything because, again, we were all teenagers. Nobody wanted to get a DUI that night. So we just went home. And as soon as we got back, one of our friends took the fall and called, told the police what happened, and all the details but here's the worst part the two people in the jeep were the parents of some girl in my class and I thought about that night for the rest of high school so many things that could have been done differently I used to help out at a nursing home This old Russian lady would relate the same tale over and over. Her husband drank and hit her. It was sad, for sure. But one day she leaned over and whispered, He was asshole drunk. So I pushed him downstairs. Dead. There are days that I wake up and I feel like I'm not a person. You know that feeling you get when you're at a wedding or a party and you have your drink in your hand and you're passing and you're blending in and everything is cool but there's a strange melancholy in the back of your head because you feel detached from everything around you. That feeling when you're throwing rice at a wedding in the newly wedged driveway and you feel happy for them and it's fine but it's like not happening that's how I feel every day when I was little I was woken up in the middle of the night by some noise and ran to my parents room to walk in on and watch my dad strangle my mom to death he didn't see me and I hid in the closet he turned himself in later that night and I still remember it as if it were yesterday. My grandmother told me a lot about the two when I was a little older. What haunts me most is I'm growing up just like he did. I'm going to be another broken person, finally losing it and ruining the lives of those around me, continuing the cycle. I wish he would have killed me too. I don't have a single real friend in the world. Everyone in my social group is just a person. I don't think I am capable of love. I feel the exact same way about my family as well. I have to force myself to pretend to care about people just to keep up appearances. But I feel totally alone. I once helped out my female friend's family by taking care of their cat for a week. Every day for a week, I would go over there and snoop around their house. I found my friend's diary and proceeded to read the entire thing. I used this information to get her to like me, and she is currently my wife. I tell everyone the reason I do beekeeping is because it's a hobby and because I want the honey and to help prevent colony collapse. The real reason I started to do this is because my mother is extremely allergic to them and now she won't come near my home anymore. So, I have a beloved kitty named Pixie. She was around four when I found her on the street. She had a rubber band tied on half of her tail, and I spent two weeks feeding her until she was comfortable enough to let me near her. She didn't trust anyone. I took her in, cleaned her up, and got the dead portion of her tail amputated. After five years, she finally warmed up to people and she became so sweet and friendly. It took her years to be comfortable around strangers. Last month, she was out for her daily stroll around the neighborhood and immediately came back in through the kitty door twenty minutes later. Usually she is out and about for two to three hours. She had two small holes in her chest and one near her butt. She was completely frightened and was crying, meowing. She wouldn't even let me go near her for the first five minutes. I knew for certain that she was shot with metal BB's. i take her in my car and start driving to the vet i take a quick detour around the neighborhood. I was going to take the long way to see if I could find the culprit. Sure enough, I see a kid on a scooter standing on his driveway, with a CO2-powered BB gun aiming in the drainage cavity by the sidewalk. I see cats in there all the time. It was then that I knew who the culprit was. I parked the car, got out, walked over to him and said, I'm telling your parents that you are shooting cats. He replied. They're pests. They told me I could. And that smug little look on his face threw me over the edge. I slapped the fuck out of that bitch. And kick swept his legs out from under him and watched him fall flat on his ass. And then picked up his gun and smashed it on the ground. A small part of me wanted to finish him off with a stomach kick for good measure, but... Fucking twenty-five, so... I looked both ways before crossing the street and fucking bolted. As I hopped in my car and sped away, I heard him shrieking in the distance. My kitty was treated and is doing okay. She is a lot more skittish and spends less time outside. In case you were wondering, I'm pretty sure the cops were called. When I came back, I saw a few strolling around. I was sure I was D-O-N-E, and I've never been in trouble or done shit like this before. Anyways, I drove by and literally nothing happened. It's been a month and I think that I'm good. I was diagnosed with cancer a little over two years ago. After a regular checkup, Anyway. Turns out I have a tumor on my colon that has spread to other areas, liver and lungs so far, and I will require extensive chemo and surgery for any chance to live longer than 8 months. But I'm not having any treatment, and I haven't told my wife because she'll only pressure me to get the treatment, which will result in months of pain and suffering for a relatively small chance. Instead, I'm making sure our last few months together are filled with Only happy memories. I'm starting work later and finishing earlier each day to make her breakfast in bed and take her on dates in the evenings. My landlord I rent my workshop from has agreed to let me run my business rent-free for the next six months, which means significantly less financial stress and I can save a lot more, so she has something to carry her over afterwards. I hope she'll forgive me for taking this path. I can't believe that I'm actually confessing this right now. It makes it feel very real. And before you say it, I know, I know. I am probably one of the worst human beings on this planet. Around a year ago, my older sister, she's 27, widowed mother of two boys, eight and five, decided to, against every single warning made, get drunk as shit and wreck her car. Her car then ran into a rock embatement outside of our town. She was life flighted to an ICU, spent weeks in a coma, and awoke in a vegetative state. In the past year, she has slowly begun to see some progress. Because of this accident, I was forced to quit my job, leave my friends, move across the country and back in with my parents to help take care of her and raise my nephews. I love them dearly, but I have never wanted to have kids, especially not forced upon me like this. She has the mind of a child now, argues about silly things and can't cook for herself, cries over everything, can't read, memory loss, and is partially paralyzed on her right side, has aphasia and a list of other problems with me as her caregiver. She tells me how happy she is to be alive after such a bad car accident. I want to scream that I wish that she would have died. Her boys are a wreck after losing their dad recently and now having a fucked up mom. My parents are spending all of their retirement savings for her treatments. I could see the years getting shaved off my dad and mom from the stress. I don't treat her any differently. I still tell her stories and laugh with her and do my best but I hate the way that I feel when I look at her. Did you even think about your boys when you got into your car? She is smiling and completely ignorant to the pain that she has caused to my entire family. So I guess that's that. That's my confession. I have a deep, dark hatred and resentment for someone I love. And I'll never let her know. I killed somebody today, I don't know their name or where they came from, who they loved and who loved them, all I know is this, I hurt them, it reminded me of when my father took me hunting, we were very close my father and I, my mother died when I was 3 and me never remarried, never went to find anyone else. He used to tell me that he was content with what he had. I had always hoped to be like him. That's why it hurt to go hunting all those times. And used to scare me, seeing the deer, the rabbits, the birds, whatever we were hunting that day, just dying. Not just the psychological aspect, thinking those animals had brothers and sisters, and mothers and fathers, sons and daughters father always said that they weren't like people, the animals didn't care. What scares me is the physical aspect of their death, the blood pouring out of the bullet wounds, the insides shown through the knife cuts as my father gutted them in front of me. He was a great hunter, my father, he never really cared for hunting until recently, but I always paid attention whenever he taught me things about hunting. He would tell me that even if I didn't like it, I might want to take my future son. So I would watch and learn from him as he tracked, killed, and prepared the animals. His most important lesson was that whenever you hunt, no matter what the game is, it's just an animal, not a deer, a rabbit, or a bird. Just an animal. It helps take the emotional side out of hunting. He made sure that their shrieks of pain, quivers that they held on to their quickly fleeting life, didn't affect me as a child. The hunting trips took place every month beginning on my 7th birthday. And When I graduated high school and moved away for college, he would still go on those hunting trips and call me every night that he was gone. This went on until I was 25 and married, and he stopped calling as often so I could focus on the family. She was a beautiful woman, my wife. My father said that we reminded him of when he and my mother were our age. and That's how I knew I needed to marry her. I based every aspect of my family life on how my father lived. My wife was annoyed that I wanted to wait until she turned 30 to have a child, but she was so patient. She was a kind woman. I was conceived three months after my mother's 30th birthday. My wife had been waiting five years to have a child, and the night of her birthday, her patience wore thin. She demanded that we start trying to have children right away, and I obliged. I believe that marriage is about compromise, and it was about time that I started to do that more often. I regret that choice. She found out that she was pregnant the next week. I asked the doctor how far along she was, and she told me that she was just under a month. I wasn't sure how to feel about that. I loved her dearly, and I knew how much she wanted a child, but I didn't want to change my entire life plan. After some thinking, I realized that if I was to truly be like father, she would die shortly after the child's third birthday, and the chances of that happening were very slim without me taking control of the situation. I knew that I couldn't do that, however. Father would be disappointed, and I'd probably get caught and wouldn't be able to continue raising the child. So I decided that I wouldn't be able to follow the same path as my father, and was content with just having a son. And then our daughter arrived, and I was disappointed, but pretended to be happy for my wife's sake. I decided as soon as she was ready, we'd try for a son, but she was never ready. She just wanted one child, and I thought to myself, maybe she would enjoy hunting trips as much as a son would, so I helped raise her, and grew to love her as I would a son. We had named her Elizabeth, after my mother, and I remember the week leading up to her 7th birthday, they played over and over in my head, and she was excited to get to our new cabin for a hunting trip. My wife didn't necessarily approve, but she said if... Beth enjoyed the first trip, I could take her for each of her birthdays. I was disappointed that it couldn't be as often as father took me, but I agreed nonetheless. The first day I received my hunting license, I showed Beth and told her that when she turned 18, we could get her one. She didn't understand what it meant, but was still excited. I missed the feeling of pure excitement that only a child could feel. On The second day... I tucked her into bed, telling her that I'd be gone to prepare the cabin for our trip. She asked how long that would be. I chuckled and told her that I'd be back for her birthday in five days. The third day, I had to leave before she woke up so the cabin would be ready in time. The first two days in the cabin were eventful, mostly consisting of making sure that the power worked and that we had enough food and water, and that my gun properly worked and had enough ammunition the day before her birthday I was driving back into town and my phone began ringing it was my wife I laughed to myself realizing that I hadn't called home since I had left and that there was no cell signal at the cabin my wife was probably worried sick and Beth probably wanted to talk to me so I answered the phone hey sweetie sorry I didn't call I've been so wrapped up in getting everything ready. it's Beth My wife hardly interrupted me unless it was something important. Hearing it was about my little girl worried me even further. Is she okay? Is she sick? What's going on? I asked curiously. My wife's voice was shaking, which didn't help ease my worrying mind. I thought that she was just sick. What could have happened? She didn't come home from school today... If you see her on your way home, please bring her back, she told me. I told her that I'd keep an eye out, and she hung up after thanking me. My mind was racing, but I calmed myself down, telling myself that maybe she went to a friend's house without telling her mother. When I got home, I told my wife I didn't see her, but told her not to worry too much. Maybe she's at a friend's house. Call around and see. I'll drive around and I'll look around town, I told her. That search was like tracking an animal for hunting. I kept telling myself that so I wouldn't miss anything important. It's just like tracking an animal. An animal. It sickened me to reduce my sweet little angel to nothing but an animal, but it was necessary if I was to find her. The next day... Instead of celebrating her birthday with pancakes, we went to the police station to file a missing persons report. A month later, they found her, and the man that took her, that sick animal who took Beth away from me. He and his wife said in the court case it was their monthly hunt. That is not a hunt, I thought to myself. You killed my daughter, not some unfeeling animal. I seized with rage the entirety of the trial while my wife sobbed. I stayed for the entirety as I wanted to be there to see these animals, the wastes of humanity, get sentenced to death for what they did to Beth. My perfect gift from heaven. The prosecutors described it in excruciating detail how they had her for three weeks before they murdered her. How they tortured her and did a myriad of other things that no person, let alone a child, should have to go through. And finally, how she was killed. And those worthless pieces of garbage were simply unfazed. They didn't regret what they did, no matter what the wife said. She said that she only did it so that way her husband wouldn't do the same to her. And that was the only thing that the jury had disagreed on. When the judge gave the husband a death sentence, I smiled. That joy quickly turned to disgust as he proceeded to give the wife a 10-year sentence. The whole experience ended my marriage. My wife lost her job and stayed at home all day. She spent most of her time in Beth's now empty room, even spending nights in there. She filed for divorce after two years of me not doing the same. I made some use of my law degree attempting to get the wife another trial so that I could watch her fry, just like her worthless husband. After the divorce, my now ex-wife moved out to live with her parents and took most of Beth's things. Father moved across the country to help me. He told me to stop focusing so much and getting justice for Beth. That was the first time I remember disagreeing with him. He was wrong. He got frustrated and left the day I found out that due to overcrowding, The wife was released from prison. It hurt when he left. He told me to call him when I realized that any attempt at this point would be futile. I killed someone today. It felt just like hunting. In the years since Beth's murder, the thought of hunting sickened me, especially after hearing the monster couple that killed her use it to justify her death. But this time it helped me deal with what I did because... I knew that they were a cold, unfeeling animal and nothing more. I followed her to her apartment one day after I got off work and saw her on my bus ride home. I memorized the route and the address, even her apartment number. I prepared my cabin for the aftermath. This hunt would be different, the killing would happen after I brought the game home. I felt like a murderer for a short while as I draped plastic on the walls and table. But I remembered that this is just hunting, murderers kill people, and I was killing an animal. I bought chloroform and tools to aid in the killing. I didn't like it when the animals I hunted felt pain, but this was different. This game needed to feel pain for the hunting to feel right. I followed her into her apartment one night and sedated her, then brought her home. It was the middle of the night, and I drove two hours with her bound in the back seat but she woke earlier than expected. Upon her early awakening, I took immediate action and slammed on the brakes, causing her to roll forward onto the floor. It must have knocked her out as I didn't hear anything from her and she was unconscious as I laid her on the kitchen table. I gutted her the way that my father would gut a deer. She screamed as the knife slipped into her stomach, and then louder as I reached in and opened it. And that's when I found it. She was with child. The child was still forming, but there was one there. For a second I thought maybe that I'd sew her wound shut because of the child. But she was an animal. She didn't deserve to raise a child, especially after what they did to my child and to the countless others. So I removed the barely developed fetus and put it in the bucket that I was planning on using to hold the guts of the deer that I'd hunt and prepare for Beth. I followed up by removing her intestines, kidneys, liver, stomach, lungs, and heart. She especially didn't need that last one. I wasn't going to eat her, and just made it easier to kill her by treating her more like another animal. That child was not. The child died so I could exact my justice upon its monster of a mother. I killed someone today and no one will ever catch me for it. After I disposed of the body and its guts, I returned to my cabin. I made sure to clean it and ensure that there would be no way that they could trace the killing to me, but I could not get that image of the fetus from my mind. I felt regret for killing the child, like I had sunk into her level. I couldn't live with it. I went to the gun cabinet and loaded my hunting rifle. It had been untouched since I prepared it almost three years prior to Beth's murder. I killed someone today. I wrote a note detailing how I could not live without seeing both of Beth's killers die for their crimes. I apologized to my wife and to father for being so cold, for making them leave. I laid the note on the kitchen table and sat in the chair across the room. I killed someone today. I put the cold metal barrel in my mouth and got the same scared feeling I would when watching an animal die back when I first went hunting. My hands began trembling, and I started thinking about how I would be able to see Beth. Tell her that the people that hurt her paid for their crimes. I killed someone today. I closed my eyes and took a deep breath in and steadied my hand. I killed someone today. I pulled the trigger and felt the bullet tear through the roof of my mouth, passing through my brain and shattering my skull as it exited, and I killed someone today. Connor Foldman, age 40, was found dead this morning in his cabin of an apparent suicide. Police are unsure if this is related to the death of Amanda Bowman, wife of Jonathan Bowman, who had helped murder his daughter but had been released from jail three years ago. We will provide you with any more updates as his story develops. After the break... Six-year-old Kyle Weathers has been found dead after a month-long search and his killers have the coldest defense.